Good morning. And we're going to read our New Testament lesson, which is Matthew chapter 21, beginning to read at the first verse. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread the cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus! the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to bow our heads and pray as we open God's word on this Palm Sunday morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word has spoken through the ages. It has pointed us to the Lord Jesus Christ as that king. We pray that we wouldn't see him just as a prophet of Nazareth, but we would see him as God's promised king, the only one who can bring us salvation. And we ask this in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It was Harold Wilson that famous British Prime Minister who said, a week is a long time in politics. For politicians, in fact, for all of us, events have changed remarkably quickly. We were gathered here on the 15th of March, and now on this 5th of April, we gather as a church. Maybe not in our church buildings, but in our homes, we gather. Within just such a short time, in less than a month, our whole world has been turned upside down. Consider a week in the life of Jesus, from Palm Sunday to next Sunday, Easter Sunday. We have public acknowledgement, cries of Hosanna, blessed he comes in the name of the Lord. And then we have crucify, crucify. Each year, we are challenged as we walk this path of Holy Week to answer this question, well, who is this? Who is this man riding on a donkey? 
This man who died on a cross. This man who rose from the dead. Who is this? Well, I want to ask, answer that question, should I say, <coughs> excuse me, by looking at two crowds. It's thought that at the Passover, there are upwards of 10,000, or should I say 100,000 pilgrims in Jerusalem. They came from all parts of Israel and from all parts of the Mediterranean. We can see that in Acts chapter 2 as Peter speaks in all these different tongues. These visitors to Jerusalem would have been intrigued by this man riding on a donkey, surrounded by a noisy crowd, shouting. They would have asked, who is this? I used to wonder why it was that within a week, the crowd on Palm Sunday who welcomed Jesus with such enthusiasm soon became the crowd that bade for his execution. Was it that they were easily swayed? That they soon changed their mind? That they'd fallen under the influence of the religious authorities? I think now that there's two different groups, two different crowds. Some were friends and some were enemies. To his friends, supporters from Galilee, Jesus was the prophet from Nazareth. They'd followed him for three years. They'd heard his stories. They'd seen the miracles. They'd come with him to Jerusalem as fellow pilgrims. They threw down their cloaks. They put down palm branches. They cried out, verse 9, Hosanna, save us! But alongside the Galilean crowd were members of the Jerusalem establishment, made up of the political and religious leaders, the Sadducees, Pharisees, the Levites, the priests, and their supporters. Those who felt most threatened and made to feel uncomfortable by this prophet from Galilee. Those who had so much to lose if Jesus, what he said, was true. It was this group who called for his death. Of course, as we know on Good Friday, that most of Jesus' supporters disappeared, ran away. They were fearful, frightened of what might happen to them if they stood up and put their heads above the parapet for Jesus. Scared of the implications of being identified with this prophet from Galilee, it was the hostile crowd who remained to the bitter end. What about for you and I? Too often, we happily, like a chameleon, blend into the crowd. Not willing to stand up and to take our stand for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're happy to be with the majority, reluctant and fearful of being a minority, ready to run, ready to hide. You see, Jesus always makes religious people uncomfortable. Just like the residents in the town of Ferris Speech in John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress, which I see actually is being shown on YouTube. They were Mr. Smoothman, Mr. Facing Both Ways, Mr. Anything, and the parson of the parish, I hope that's not me, Mr. Two Tongues. Bunyan said, we are almost most zealous when religion comes, or religion goes in silver slippers. We love much to walk with him in the street. If the sun shines and the people applaud him. At the beginning of this holy week, 
Are you willing to identify yourself with Jesus, the prophet from Galilee, and much more? Not just to say nice things, churchy things, empty things, but to stand up, to welcome him, to acknowledge him, to confess him as both Lord and Saviour. Two crowds, and then two donkeys. You remember in Charles Dickens' novel, David Copperfield, there is this delightfully eccentric but warm-hearted Betsy Trotwood. She objected to donkeys on the green in front of her house. And when she spotted them, she used to shout out to her servant, Janet, donkeys! And then they chased away both the donkeys and their keepers. In Matthew 21, we don't have Betsy Trotwood, but we do have two donkeys a mother and her colt. The other Gospels only refer to a single donkey. But here in Matthew's Gospel, there are two. And they're mentioned three times in verse 2, 5, and 7. Now, what are we to make of this? Well, scholars get very excited and try and give both plausible and implausible explanations for this. Some of the suggestions are quite silly. So what are we to make of it? Well, to be honest, I don't think there's a simple answer. We could say that when Matthew quoted words from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, he took them quite literally. Or even he failed to grasp the fact that sometimes expressions were repeated to give emphasis. It it might be that this was a fact that the other gospel writers overlooked, that there were two donkeys. Jesus commanded that a donkey be attained, and as she and her colt with her, rather than separate them, They both came along. But there's a problem with the phrase, and Jesus sat on them. Did he sit on one donkey? Or did he somehow, some like some circus entertainer, ride on both of them at the same time? Were the cloaks draped over the two animals, or just one? Did the them in verse 7 refer to the donkeys or to the cloaks? Many of the early paintings of Palm Sunday portray portray two donkeys, whereas modern pictures have only one. So how can two be portrayed? An early Italian artist painted the usual two donkeys. Jesus sat on the larger one and underneath was a tiny donkey, a foot or so high. I leave you to ponder over the two donkeys problem. Whatever the explanation, the point is that Jesus did sit on a donkey, not A horse, not a war horse, not a symbol of power, but a symbol of humility. A horse, as I said, would have suggested a power game, a a war, a triumph, a donkey, peace. From Palm Sunday, Jesus was no longer concealed. All could see what he has come to do. It's plain to see what sort of Messiah he is. His path led to suffering and humiliation and not to political power and human might. His every action, his every word reveals his true identity. As we walk each day, and can I encourage you to join with us at seven o'clock each night from Palm Sunday to Good Friday as we look at those shadows of the cross and we walk with Christ 
to his cross on Good Friday, each action reveals Jesus as God's King, the Messiah, the Christ. But not a king as you and I would understand it. Very different type of king, a servant king. And to be a Christian is to identify with God's servant king. The king who didn't live in a palace, but began life in a manger. The king who was the friend of tax collectors and of sinners. The king who identified with the poor and who washed their feet. The king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The king who lived and died a poor, naked man on a cross. And then was buried in a borrowed tomb. At the beginning of this Holy Week, on this Palm Sunday, are you willing to identify with such a man who came to us humble and riding on a donkey, who who shows us what humility looks looks like? And how much does his example force you and I to ask about our lives and our lifestyles? If you're a Christian believer, How much does humility feature in your life, in my life? Not to be proud of your humility, that's ridiculous. But to reflect on the humility of Christ. Not to lord it over people, but are you prepared to go the extra mile? Are you prepared to wash the feet of the unlovely? Are you prepared to serve those who are suffering even at this moment through coronavirus? Are you prepared to put others before yourself? Are you prepared to be ready and willing to live a life that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ? So two cards, two donkeys, and then as I conclude, two questions. And I want you to look at verse 10. And that big question that's there, Who is this? It's an important question, isn't it? It's a question that we all have to ask, but some here haven't yet found the answer. And I know for some of you who are even watching this today, you have not found that answer yet. Who is Jesus Christ? And what am I to make of him? Many of you have found that answer. Some of you today, should take the time to ponder that, to ask that question for yourself. And did you notice that within these verses, and today we're just looking at these verses, some answers are given. Who is this? Verse 11, Jesus is a prophet. He's seen as a prophet from Nazareth, a prophet well-known in Galilee, but not yet in Jerusalem. Or could refer to an eschatological prophet, a prophet who preaches about the end time. We read about that in Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. The one who was promised of old, the one who fulfills scripture. This is hinted at in verse 4 here, where it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Here are prophecies from Isaiah 62 and Zechariah 9, and from a psalm in verse 9, Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So who is this? Is he just a prophet? Who is this? Jesus, the son of David. We read in verses 9 and 15 that he came 
we read in Matthew, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came as King David's greater son. Three times the crowd cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means, Lord, please save. Lord, save now. It was a cry that included petition, seeking the Lord, acknowledgement, saying who he is, an acclamation, praise of who he is. I said there were two questions. There's that important question there in verse 10. But where's the other question? Well, it's not actually written down. But it is the big question that broods over Palm Sunday. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. During the next few days, can I encourage you to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ? To try to read maybe even a chapter a day between chapter 21 and chapter 28 of Matthew's Gospel. And as you do, to ask yourself this big question, what do I make? of Jesus Christ. What is my relationship to him? You may be one of those people who needs to commit yourself to him for the very first time or recommit your life to him. You perhaps need to admit that your faith has grown cold, that you've gone with the crowd so many times. You've lost your first love. You've gradually drifted away from him. Your faith is more routine and no longer in a relationship. In Holy Week, it's a good time to ask that question, to see where we stand before the Lord. And then on Monday, Monday, Thursday, we recall that Jesus has died. And we see on Good Friday, him upon the cross. And on Easter, we proclaim that Christ is risen. And as Easter people, we proclaim that Christ will come again. On Good Friday, remember his death. When he died, for my sin and for the sin of his people. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection. We conquered death and rose again. When we proclaim, hallelujah, Christ is risen. Before he comes again, how will you answer? Those two questions. Who is this? Who is this? And the second question. What do I make of Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this one that we cry to him, Hosanna, Lord, save us. We pray that we would see it clearly as that promised one of God, the only one who can save us from our sins. And as we travel through this holy week, may we both be broken and encouraged, broken uh, Lord, as we see our sin broken, as we see what it costs for our sin to be paid for on the cross. 
and encouraged that Christ has done, done that for us, for his children. And Lord, may we ask ourselves those two questions. Who is this? And may we ask, what do I make of Jesus Christ? Lord, we pray, open blind eyes this morning. Help us to see Jesus Christ in all his glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.